Hey, this is Brian Golden, lead pastor of Centerpoint Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast. I also really want to thank you for taking the time to listen. And I want to let you know that now you can watch these messages as well, anytime and anywhere. And the easiest way to do that is on the Centerpoint Church app. In addition to that, the Centerpoint app is also the easiest way to stay connected with what's happening at Centerpoint. So go to your favorite app store, search Centerpoint Church Florida, and you'll find it right there. Most importantly, I really want to say if you're a longtime follower of Jesus, or maybe you're just investigating who Jesus is, I really hope this message encourages you to take your next step in your journey of faith or in your journey of investigating faith. Thanks again for listening. All right, would you guys stand with me? And I just want to pray over what God is about to do, what God's God's already doing, and, and even what's going to happen today. It's going to be an incredible day in our house, and um, moving into tonight as we celebrate what God's done and what God's going to continue to do. Would you pray with me all over the house? Jesus, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for what you're doing in this place. We thank you that we get the opportunity to be a part of it. We thank you for the power of your spirit that is the only power that has the ability to change a heart and change a life. And Lord, today we are here for one reason, and that's for Jesus. And we want you to be known. We want you to be lifted up. We move forward, Lord, with one mandate and one mission, and that is to move with this gospel of good news that as many people as we can in this city, Lord, would be rocked by the scandalous nature of your grace. We wanna help people grow in relationship with you and know of your obsessive love for them. But today we are here for you. We worship you. We lift up your name. We herald your message of good news. We move forward as a church for you. It is not for us. The one is not us. The one is not a name on the sign. The one is Jesus and all that he is offering. And even as we step out in faith to continue to keep up with what you are doing here as we launch this North Campus, God, we simply want to follow you and it is about you. And so continue to do your thing. Help us to get out of the way. And I pray over these next 40 minutes, you would move in hearts and in such a way that some of us would never be the same again. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. You guys can be seated. So here's what we're talking about in this series, and really it comes down to this question. What do you need to declare war on? What do you need to declare war on? And honestly, that song two songs ago, um, this is how I fight my battles, we could have stopped right there and just said, all right, like just pray and leave and we'll come back next week. We're not gonna do that because I worked really hard on a message today, but I'm saying we could have done that. Like, where do you need to declare war? Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a, a food addiction. Maybe it's porn. Maybe it's just apathy. Maybe it's a relational dysfunction. Maybe it's insecurity. Maybe it's fear. But where do you need to declare war? And here's what we began to talk about in this series is that until you declare war and until you understand that you are in a fight and in a battle, you have no shot of winning that battle. And the reality is, and we don't wanna give this too much power, is that we have an enemy that wants to steal and he wants to kill and he wants to destroy. He wants to kill your marriage. He wants to steal your self-worth. He wants to destroy your future, God's will, his destiny for you. But we have an enemy. And here's the thing. We don't wanna give that enemy too much power, but you need to understand that you are in a fight. We are in a fight. So where do you need to declare war? And here's the thing that we really have to understand that we began talking about, and that is this, that the enemy constantly wants to get us to look externally. It's all about them 
It's all about what they did. It's all about what was done to us. And I wanna say again, that's not minimizing any of those things. Some of you have some stories. If I were to sit down, it would be hard for me to even listen. But here's the reality for a lot of us is that the issue is not really in a major way what's going on externally. The issue is what is and has happened internally that for me and maybe for you, the greatest enemy to my own success has been me. Nobody... I mean, I don't know why you had to say amen about me, but um, I'm just playing. Like, my, nobody has nobody's let you down like you, right? Well, I'll talk about you, so now you can amen, all right? We're not talking about me now. N nobody has let you down like you. And, and so we have an enemy that wants to get us to focus externally, but the reality is there is a war that wages within, and so here's where really you gotta come down on one side or the other in this series is that you are either going to live as a victim or you are gonna pursue victory. And it's not that at the end of whatever you're walking through, there's the promise that everything's gonna be pain-free and problem-free, but I'm telling you, there is victory to be had. And as we've said, he who is in you, which is the spirit of God, if you place your faith and trust in Christ, is greater than the enemy outside of you. And that literally, as you walk forward to go, Jesus, I want to walk into what you have for my life, the enemy has to bow his knee to resurrecting power. There is something greater inside of you. So what do you need to declare war on? Well, what do you need to declare war on? Last week, we talked about the fact that we need to declare war on our words. We started this series talking about the fact that we need to declare war on our thoughts. And today is where I wanna talk about the fact that we've gotta declare war, war on what we do. Like at some point, you gotta do something. At some point, you gotta take a step if you're ever gonna win the battle and the war that's waging inside of you, whatever that looks like. Now, how many of you like are big um, DIY, do-it-yourself fanatics? So I think even if you're not, maybe it's just a guy thing, maybe it's a, you, you wanna pretend that you are. So like I have zero skills, zero skills. And I recognize that voice. My dad is at the 9 a.m., okay? I've never heard him say amen before. That was the first time right there. I have zero skills. In fact, is this a safe place? Is this a safe place? I paid someone to put some of my kids' toys together for Christmas. And I feel you judging me and I hear the wows and I just asked if this was a safe place. So I did that. But the thing is like, I wanna pretend like I am. And so here's the weird psychology that I think all of us deal with is I'll go to Home Depot, did it this weekend, and I'll get some stuff like, oh, I, I'm gonna try to do this. I'm gonna try to do this. I'm gonna try to stay off that app, which is Tackle. If anybody use that, you just pay somebody to come do it. No, I'm gonna try to do it myself and I'll go to Home Depot, I'll get it. And then immediately when I get home, I'll put it on my shelf and like, I'm making progress. Right? And then six months later, the stuff that I got at Home Depot, guess where it's at? It's still sitting on the shelf. And I'm still under the illusion that I'm a do-it-yourself handyman. Like I'm making progress because I went to Home Depot and bought the supplies. I haven't done anything with the supplies. The same is true in terms of like, have you ever gotten like new running shoes or new workout outfit? Maybe this is more of like a, a lady thing. And, and you like stare in the mirror and you feel healthier. 
You haven't actually started running in the shoes yet. You haven't actually started working. You sign up for a 5K and like, oh yeah, I'm making progress. Even if you don't run the 5K, you're under the illusion of, but I was gonna run the 5K, right? Um, Like if you were to ask me if I work out right now, I would tell you, yes, I do. Because I bought a workout in October and I did it for four days and I felt amazing about myself. And now in January, if you ask me, do I work out? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I started a workout. I mean, a few things have gotten in the way over the last three months, but I'm gonna pick that thing up any day now, right? But there is this weird psychology where we think like intending to do something is the same as doing it. And we get this weird high. It's just this psychological thing where we actually deceive ourselves into thinking that we have made progress. And here's the thing, and this is gonna get a little bit uncomfortable for some of us. Religious people kill this game. And I don't mean that as a compliment. Like religious people, and that's kind of how I used to describe this. I'm in this category, so I'm throwing shade on me right now. But we have this ability to believe stuff and intend to do stuff and feel stuff. I mean, maybe somebody, you're sitting beside somebody who's crying during worship when we're singing songs. And all of these things give us the illusion that something has changed in our life. Like if we have a religious experience, we're like, yeah, yes, I believe that. Mm. I believe that. We feel some stuff. We, I, I'm, gonna, I'm going to do that. I'm intending to do some stuff. It, it is the same for us as thinking that we actually did it. In fact, okay, let me get real honest. If you're wondering, like trying to figure out the Jesus thing, you're, you're wondering whether all this is true. This is what is so annoying about us. Because we get hypocritical sometimes and judgmental and you look at us And we think that somehow there's some separation or we're better because we sat in a row or we went to a group or we felt something during a song or because we intend to do something down the road. And you look at our life and go, you're no different. Nothing has changed. And yet we're judgmental, hypocritical thinking that somehow we're better than you. It is what is so annoying about us. And so listen, here's how I would summarize this little game is that we confuse, and listen, if you're not a Jesus follower, you don't have to pay attention to any of this. You can, in your mind, point your finger at us and call us hypocrites because we deserve it. Um, And this might get a little personal today. We confuse believing something for actually doing something. It's why religion can actually become really dangerous. We confuse feeling something with actually doing something. And I noticed at this part, everybody's getting really, really quiet. But this is what we do, right? In fact, some people have the illusion that when I walk in, sit down, and maybe this was your religious experience growing up, somebody makes you feel like crap and you walk away to go like, oh, I feel like that was a good religious experience. I feel bad about myself. And somehow feel closer to God because we confuse just feeling something like, even if I'm not gonna do it, I feel closer to God. And then thirdly, we confuse intending to do something with actually doing something. Can I get a witness from anybody We can just go old school. I know many of you don't say amen, clap, do something, just so I know you're with me. But this is what we do. This is what we do. Thank you, seven people. This is what we do. When uh, I got married, like, you know how you got to figure out those things with your spouse where, like, you know, your family of origin, how you grew up, it's just there's some navigation that has to happen. Like, they have expectations, you have expectations, you got to make them work. You know what I'm talking about? Even on little things can become big things. And so um, when my wife grew up, like birthday parties and stuff were huge deals, like massive deals, like over the top, a little bit out there, that's too much, kind of big deals. Extravagant gift giving. In fact, when they would have a birthday, 
Um, Nicole's parents, who I love, they might be listening, so I'm not, I love you. Um, but I'm just saying, this was weird. This was not my background. They would create what they called shrines to their kids on their, they would set elaborate, like set all this stuff up on a birthday morning and they'd get huge gifts and all this stuff. And so when we got married, that was kind of what Nicole was used to. Like big time gifts, kind of extravagant, make a big deal out of birthdays. In my family, we didn't do that. Like there was five kids. Your birthday was like, we were digging around in a drawer trying to find a candle that matched your age. And then usually it was like, you know, we got you a present, but it's still in the Walmart bag. Here, we gotta go to church. And that was our birthday. And there was five kids. So I was fine. It didn't bother me whatsoever. But when I got married, it was a big deal. And so I kept just not, I just wasn't quite meeting the expectation. And then after a while, I don't know why I would do this. I would constantly tell her like, okay, yeah, I know, I know I, I've heard this story before. I got you a lamp for Christmas. But what I was intending to do is I was gonna, da, 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 and I would tell her all these plans of what I was gonna do, but I never followed through. And eventually she's like, shut up, stop. Like what you were intending to do for me makes no difference whatsoever. You didn't actually do it. And instead you got me a lamp for Christmas. So just shh, shut up. I told that story over Christmas and somebody came to me and you'll understand why this is their ex-husband um, in a second, but their ex-husband um, for Christmas bought them a scale one year, which is another level. That made me feel so good about me. <laughs> so eventually she's like, just stop telling me. What you were intending to do doesn't matter. And the same is true in every area of our life, but we just play this psychological game. Like people show up every weekend and they sit in rows and they hear stuff and they feel stuff and they believe stuff and they walk away and they do nothing. And so James says, if you're ever, and I know you all know that, I know this, but I do this. James is like, if you're ever gonna win the war within you at some point, you gotta do something. For a lot of us today, there's some kind of step that we need to take. And it's not some massive, dramatic, life-altering step. I'm gonna talk about this, but it's one step right in front of us. And if we're ever going to begin to turn the tide and win the war within, it requires us taking that step. James says it this way. You can check it out on the screen, or if you download the CC app, you can look at this, or if you got an old school Bible. But you maybe know these words. Here's what James, the brother of Jesus, that's amazing, I don't have time to talk about. Here's what he write, writes in James chapter one, verse 22. Do not merely, what's the word? Listen to the word. Basically think that knowing is enough. Do not merely listen to the word and then so, help me out again, deceive yourselves. Okay, you and I have a limitless capacity to deceive ourselves. Jeremiah 17, nine, this should be my life verse. The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Well, my mama said your mom was wrong. Your heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. He, Jeremiah says, who can understand it? Like, I don't even understand sometimes what I do. Because, and you're like, well, no, I'm pretty self-aware. Probably not. There's probably some area of your life at some point where you weren't self-aware and, and you dated him or her anyway. You smoked it anyway. You bought it anyway. And on the other side, you're like, what was I thinking? Because we have a limitless capacity to deceive us. And we have an enemy that wants to deceive us. Nobody has let us down more than we have let us down. And in fact, if you don't think the Bible is written at street level, check out what Paul says um, in this famous letter in the New Testament where he says this, I do not understand what I do. Like if I ever own a Christian bookstore, and trust me, I never will, 
this, this is what's going on the coffee mug. Romans 7.15, I don't understand what I do. Like this is, does this not explain your experience in your life at some level? I don't understand what I do. Like, what was I thinking? Why did I do that? Why didn't I do that? Like that decision was actually for my own success and I knew it on the front end and I still didn't do it. I don't know what I do. I don't know why I do it. I don't know why I don't do it. I don't even understand me. And come on, this is the reality, right? Like I'm trying to tease it out a little bit, but, but seriously, like nobody gets up in the morning and goes, you know what, today I wanna start making decisions that are gonna destroy my marriage. Starting today. Nobody does that. Nobody gets up and goes, you know what, I'll start working on high cholesterol today. I wanna get to the place where I walk into Target and I literally cannot control myself whatsoever. I just buy everything. And then I take it back and then I go buy it again. Nobody gets up and does that. That was personal. Um, nobody gets up and says, like, I, I wanna be overrun with fear. I, I, wanna, I, wanna just, I just wanna carry anger. I'm gonna carry it into every relationship. I'm, nobody does that. And yet we make decisions that, that sabotage us. And then Paul says, I don't understand what I do. For what I wanna do, I don't do it. But this is so powerful. But what I, what's the word? But what I hate, that's what I end up doing. Like literally, here's what you need to know. And this is, if we could just get this, this may be all you need today. And this would just start to change the game. That every single one of us, you can explain it however you want. I think it's the threat of sin that started in the Garden of Eden. But every single one of us, we have this thing inside of us, this self-sabotaging mechanism where the very things that we're gonna hate look attractive to us. It's a self-sabotaging mechanism where we're going, yes, 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 I want that. And then on the other side of pursuing it or making the decision, we actually hate it. We hate our own decisions and we were there for all of them. There's just something inside of us where we end up hating them. And then here's the huge danger is that ultimately we start to connect our failure to our identity. See, here's the thing. When you get to the place where you hate what you do or you hate what you've done, you're about one step away from hating you. And you begin to connect your failure to your identity. And in fact, this was a huge struggle, struggle for Paul. Paul had a massive dysfunctional background. And so in one of his letters, he says this, oh, what a wretched man I am. Because I think he struggled his whole life to not connect his failure from his past to his identity. And it's why I'll talk about it in a second, you gotta flip the script because what you do comes out of who you are. And it's why you need to declare war on what wars within you because that thing is an entity that is not you if you're in Christ. It's something that's coming against you. It's something inside of you, but it is not you. And Christ says, I wanna help you defeat it, but just make no mistake, that failure is not who you are and I want to give you freedom, but you have to start with understanding this idea. You have a limitless capacity to deceive you and knowing is not enough that literally if you are left to yourself, you will choose things that on the other side, you hate them. And so James says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. It's not complicated, but it's hard. Do what it says, run someplace. Like, like for some of us, and hey, I get it, man, I'm talking to me. We're in places and we're, we're praying and pleading with God. And in some cases we're getting angry at God and God's like, that's on you. You gotta start the diet. 
you got to get into counseling. What are you waiting for? You, you, you have to get into a community group and start doing some life with people. Like you want it on your own terms and you're getting mad at me. You got you to gotta do it. There is a step right in front of you. And if you're going to start to win the war, you got to take the step. I love what Stephen Covey says. We become what we repeatedly do. And so if you're going to win the war, you got to think differently. You got to speak differently. And you have got to do what is right in front of you. And then James kind of teases out this whole weird psychological game we play. And he says this, verse 23, anyone who listens, this is church, listens to scripture, listens in community group, a friend who is speaking truth to them. If anyone listens to the word, but does not do what it says is like a man. I think this is an example. Only dudes would do this. I think he's a strategic to talk about the fact that this is a man. It's like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, he goes away and he immediately forgets what he looks like. And James is like, it's absurd. Like, cause here's the thing about a mirror. A mirror demands a response. Like for most, I'm not gonna say all of us, but for most of us, you're gonna stare into a mirror and you are going to stay there until you get it right. Or until it gets better, right? Like a mirror demands, and, and, and James is just kind of trying to tease out the fact that like, and there's nothing wrong with that. But, but it's crazy, this, this, this game that we play. Like just to put it into our kind of today, because James writing this, you know, a minute ago. Like cosmetics in the US, we spend $38.6 billion a year. Nothing wrong with that, that's fine. But $38.6 billion. We, according to the American Society of Aesthetic Plastic Surgery, I think they could have shortened that, but 12 billion a year to lift stuff and to tuck stuff and to enhance stuff and to enlarge stuff and to Botox that mug up, $12 million a year to correct what we see in the mirror. And James is just kind of making the point of like, and it's not gonna stay up there forever. I probably shouldn't be using hand motions right now, but it's not gonna stay up there forever. It's not gonna be like that, and, and that's fine, do it. Do, nothing wrong with it, but like, it's not gonna, in fact, this is a side note real quick. I didn't know this till a couple years ago. Do you know, this is terrifying for me. Do you know that your nose never stops growing your whole life? Seriously. Do you know how terrifying that is for somebody like me? Like, I'm gonna get shorter and my nose is gonna grow the rest of my life. Like, what is that gonna look like at 80? And I kinda know, because I look a little bit like my grandfather. I know what that's gonna look like at 80, and it's not pretty. And James is just like, listen, it, it, nothing wrong with that. But listen, I, I bet that during your greatest regret, I bet you looked amazing. Maybe that was the problem. Then you went home with her, and now you wish you could rewind that. But you, I bet you looked pretty fly that night of your greatest regret. And James is just simply saying this. You spend more time on something that can't change the trajectory of your life. And there's some things warring within you right now that if you would begin to take a step and do what is right in front of you, it, that it would literally begin to change the trajectory of your entire life. See, but here's the thing where we deceive ourselves. We deceive ourselves into this because we want immediate, we want fast, we want the silver bullet, is that we're deceived thinking that small right decisions don't matter that much. And we're deceived thinking that small wrong decisions don't matter that much. Because listen, all, all of us know this, just real quick, because this is important that we understand this. Like one, one small decision doesn't really matter that much. 
Like if I come home and I'm all proud of myself because I have dinner with my family one night, that's not gonna do any good. I take my wife on one date one time, not gonna do any good. I go to one community group and I'm like, that's not for me. It's not gonna do any good. I go to one counseling session. I exercise one time or four times back in October. That's not really doing me any good. It's like, and the same is true of one bad decision. I skip out on dinner one night with my family. I, you know, I don't do a date with my wife for a week or two weeks or even a month. Eh, not that big a deal. My marriage isn't gonna come crashing down. And we underestimate the power of small decisions because there is always a gap between the promise and the payoff. There's always a gap positively between the promise and the payoff. There is always a gap negatively between the promise and the payoff. And I think our generation might be worst at this of any generation because we want something so immediate. And the reality is, and you see this in scripture, the war that wages hinges on the cumulative effect of small decisions. And so many of us don't even get started because we're deceived into thinking it's not gonna matter, good or bad. But I'm telling you, there is gonna be a payoff, good or bad. And there is a gap between the promise of what's gonna happen and where we're directing our lives and the payoff of the decisions, good or bad, no matter how small that we're engaging in today. Like, you know this. At some point, all those little decisions, there becomes a tipping point. And there's certain things you can't get back. There's certain things you can't, and God can restore and reconcile and he can put things back together, but there's certain things you'll never get back. And the same is true, like when you're boiling water and you don't see anything, all of a sudden you start to see the water boil. There is a tipping point of the small, good decisions that are right in front of you where all of a sudden you start to win the war that wages against you and your life begins to change. And so James says, like don't ignore the thing that can literally change the trajectory of your life. And then here's the promise, verse 25, but the man who looks intently, in the Greek, stoops down into the perfect law. All that is, is Jesus summed it up like this. You understand God's love for you. You love him. You love other people. The only question you need is what does love demand? And then go make decisions based off that question. That's the perfect law. That gives, what's the word? Freedom. And continues because it is the cumulative effect of small decisions right in front of you and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard. But, what's the word? I Come on, 9 a.m. What's the word? But doing it, he will be blessed. I'll come back to this and what he does. Hey, can we just come around this idea? Because this is tough for me to believe sometimes. There are some decisions that I'm faced with that I wrestle with God and I've got to come back to verses like this to know this reality that every step to do what is right in front of me is a step toward freedom. Every time Jesus is going, listen, I want you to do this. I want you to go this direction. On the front end, in many cases, I can fall under the illusion that is confining, but anything but. And it's not for acceptance. It's from acceptance. I'm in Christ. I have all the acceptance I need. It's about what he wants to do in my life. And listen, every, it's really a step of faith. Every step of faith is a step toward freedom. And for a lot of us, we are deceived thinking that the immediate sacrifice is too much, that literally we would stay in our current bondage thinking that is better than the sacrifice to get out of it. And come on, how many decisions have we made thinking that it was going to lead us into freedom and it only led us into slavery? 
And there are so many things like that in the scripture where we look at what the scripture says about money. Listen, you should give first, you should save, you should live on the rest. And we think, well, that's too confining. And all of a sudden you become a slave to debt. And then on the other side of it, if you've begun to live your life that way, you understand Jesus was right. It is absolute freedom. Or maybe in the area of sex, and we have a culture that is being ravaged by a sexual ethic that does not work. And we think that Jesus' standards for sex is too confining only to find out we are a slave to guilt and shame and sex should never be connected to guilt and shame. And in fact, Jesus said, listen, actually exclusivity fuels sexual intimacy and it will lead you into freedom and out of bondage and you'll have a lot better sex. My goal and my desire for your life is to lead you into freedom. Same is true of autonomy. Our goal is to, we wanna be autonomous. We wanna be independent. That's the goal of just about every American. And yet some of your greatest regrets were when you were in isolation and nobody could stop you. And now you are experiencing anything but freedom. And so James says, listen, the perfect law when Jesus is going, I want you to go this way. I want you to follow me. I want you to do what is right in front of you that every time you take that step, you are taking a step toward real freedom. That's what he's offering. This is life and it's life to the full. So just take a step. Just do what's right in front of you. Because the flip side is you can just keep deceiving you. Well, my situation is unique. I'm different. We're different. Said every single person that finds their self in bondage 10 years later. Your situation isn't unique. You're unique. Your situation isn't unique. And you're not gonna circumvent. If God says, listen, I have something right in front of you. And a lot of times we fall under the illusion or the delusion of later, which later is the illusion that we can fight this war tomorrow while we are driven deeper into bondage today. And sometimes, just hear me some, if you're online, you listen on radio or podcast, sometimes the call to act is right now. Because there becomes a point, the scripture talks about this where, and, and some of you, I have these stories in my life, maybe you can relate, where there's some things where they really bothered you before and all of a sudden you don't really feel it anymore. You don't really see it anymore. Or God's speaking and, and it seems like you can't really hear him anymore. Because the scripture is really clear and this is what I love about God who's revealed himself through Jesus is he's never gonna force himself, himself on anyone. And there becomes a point where we wrestle against what he wants for our lives so long that he finally goes, okay, here you go. Because he doesn't speak for our consideration. He speaks for our obedience. And James says, Take a step toward freedom because knowing is not enough. And so three things um, that I just wanna give you as we conclude this, if you're ready to declare war, you need to do what is right and not do what you feel. Do not do what you feel, do what is right. Here, here's two things that are gonna, in large part, to determine this. Who's your crew? Who's your crew? Who's your community? Who is surrounding you? In Ecclesiastes, Solomon says this. He had great advice. He didn't follow any of his own advice, but it was still great. And he said this. The one man may be overpowered. Two can what? Two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Listen, you probably heard this before. You are the average of the five people that you are closest to. You're the average of the five people you're closest to. You need community. In fact, Craig Rochelle says this, and I love it. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. 
This is why follower of Jesus, or even if you're investigating, whatever you have up ahead for your life, whatever war you need to wage, you are not gonna do it without biblical community. You are not gonna do it without friends that you are doing life with on a month-to-month basis who can come around and they can be faith for you when you don't have any faith, when they can step in when you're not seeing it anymore, where they can sit down and go, dude, you're about to run your marriage off the rails. I'm telling you, if you want to become and be that all that God has for you, it is gonna require community. And as a pastor in this seat, I have watched person after person after person fly off the rails and there was nobody there to pick them up. And I'm telling you, if you want to walk into the destiny God has for you and win this war, you are going to need other people around you who lift up and affirm the name of Jesus and are willing to push you toward the things that you want for your life and for your future. And listen, today, this isn't a pitch, but it just it, today is our group link after all the services. For a lot of you, that's, if you're not in a group already, that's the step you need to take. And yes, you're gonna have to sacrifice something, I guess. I mean, if you can really call that sacrifice. Yes, you're gonna have to give up some time. Yes, you're gonna have to go and spend 10 minutes today after a service to sign up. Yes, you're gonna have to take a step to move in. Come on, what is your future worth? What is your marriage worth? What, are, what is your kids worth? If I could get everybody to just believe one thing, this would be it, man. I feel like John the Baptist in the desert crying out and people are just, yeah, whatever, one day. And I'm going, come on, do you know what is at stake? So many of you, you need to step into community today. You need to go decide to lead a group today. And then the second thing that's gonna determine whether you do what is right or what you feel is your posture. And this is gonna sound crazy, but your posture. We are so imprisoned by what we feel. I've walked through some weeks where my feelings were all over the place. And there was some, I didn't, I wasn't sure what I felt, but I knew what I believed. It's in those moments where I don't really understand what God's doing, and I'm maybe even tempted to doubt him for a second, that I've gotta change my posture, and I literally mean my posture. The scripture talks a lot about lifting your hands and your head in worship when you don't feel what is true. In fact, there's been t- tests done, this is kind of crazy, but tests done that, that opposed to head down, arms down, arms up, head up, that literally testosterone levels spike and you feel strength in those moments. I think that's what the scriptures are talking about, specifically when your hands are lifted and your head is raised and your focus is on Jesus and you decide in those moments, even though I do not feel it, I'm gonna adjust my posture and I am gonna lift my head to say this is true and I'm gonna worship anyway, I'm gonna do it anyway, I'm gonna surrender anyway, I'm not gonna let the enemy win and I'm not gonna be imprisoned to my feelings. Jesus, I am gonna worship, lift up your name and I am walking forward into what you have for my life even though I don't feel it in this moment. I don't need to feel it. I am worshiping the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the great I am and I'm gonna trust you to lead me to the other side until I feel it, but my life is yours. I'm surrendering to you. And listen, I just wanna tell you this. That's where Jesus wants to work. If you're uncomfortable, good. That's a mark of the Holy Spirit working in your life. You're being stretched about a decision that you don't wanna take. That's a great place to be. You're, you're worried, wobbly knees. I'm not sure if I can do this. I'm not sure how it's gonna work. I'm not sure if freedom is really on the other side and Jesus is going, that's where I want to work, where it's uncomfortable, where it stretches you, where you are afraid, where it's tough, 
where it's countercultural, where there's some people who think you're crazy. Jesus is going, that is where I want to work in your life and the war is not gonna be won inside of your comfort zone. So do what's right, not what you feel. And then the second thing is, if you're ready to declare war, don't just do what is right, do what is right in front of you. So today, if you're wondering what's the next step for me, do what is right in front of you. There is no such thing as a small decision. And listen, this isn't, again, this isn't for acceptance. This is from acceptance. If you are in Christ, believing that God came through Jesus, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for your sin, rose again, and you've decided to transfer trust not to you and your ability to earn your way to him, but transfer your trust to what he has done for you, you have all of the acceptance you are ever gonna need despite you and despite your behavior. This isn't about any of those things. In fact, this isn't even about perfection that you're not gonna experience until the other side of this earth. This is all about direction. And do not deceive yourself into thinking that what God has right in front of you is a small decision. You have no idea what that decision may be a catalyst for in your life. And God is looking about direction in your life. So just start somewhere. Do what is right in front of you. And you have a savior that's like, listen, I'm gonna cheer you on the whole way. Even if somebody else thinks it's a small decision, it's a big decision to me. I've said this before, but this is the best example that I can use. So if you've heard this, whatever. Um, I had to come up with a lot of material for 50 weeks a year, all right? So when my little kids start walking, um, it always cracks me up. And I think this is such a great picture of this that, that when they first take those one or two steps, it's always like, they're not really walking, Right? They have, and maybe some kids are different. My kids had, especially my boys, and I don't know if this is a boy thing, their heads were massive, massively disproportionate to the rest of their body. They're huge heads, freakishly huge heads. Specifically Braxton, like, ah, like I hope you grow into that head really soon, freakishly big head. And when he started to walk, it's like, ah, uh, wobble, wobble, fall down. And everybody goes crazy, but I'm like, he didn't even walk. His head is so big, it caused him to lean forward and he happened to get his feet underneath him for two steps. That's not a step. That's a big head. That's just science. That's just God, God him moving forward. And yet in every situation, um, I've never seen anybody around who like starts looking at the little kid to go, ah, that was, he didn't walk. It's this big, freaking, massive, gigantic, disproportionate head that just caused him to leave. No, what does everybody do in that moment? They're like, yeah, and they're trying to video it and trying to do what, like get pictures and going crazy. And in the back of your mind, you know, well, that's not really a step, but we'll pretend it is, just your big head. But you cheer it on anyway. And I think we have a savior that does the exact same thing. Like, it may not look like a lot. I don't even know if you're walking. I think it's your big, gigantic head. But I am gonna cheer on every step when you are willing to do right what is right in front of you. And I have more up ahead, but right now, we're just gonna celebrate today and we're gonna celebrate the decision and the step that you're taking today. And I'm going to cheer you on all the while as you move forward toward my destiny for your life. It's a big deal. Your step is a big deal. And I love this last verse I'm going to read. I love that last line in chapter one, verse 25, where James says this, and he will be blessed. Literally the Greek word means he'll be happy. He'll be blessed and he'll be happy in what he, what's the word? What he does. Meaning, the process is the payoff. And for some of us, we're waiting for some future destination that we may not, never even arrive at. 
but it's the process that is the payoff. And literally what he's saying is happiness is actually experienced in the doing. You don't have to wait for some future, legit, amazing version of you. If you started today, God will begin to change some stuff on the inside of you. Even if your circumstances don't change, you're searching for happiness, you're searching for God's blessing, you're searching for fulfillment. It's actually couched in the doing. Just start doing. And long before you ever arrive at a destination, God's gonna begin to work in your heart and God's gonna begin to work in your life. And others may look at you to go, man, you have no, you're nowhere close to having arrived. And you're like, no, I'm not. But I'm telling you, I'm doing and I'm happy in doing and God's doing something in my life because that's where fulfillment and happiness is found. If you start to do today, it is in the doing where God's gonna start to show up. It's the process which is the payoff. And Jesus is like, listen, I'm gonna lead you. And so as we get ready to close, dangerous words, because I do that all the time, and then 15 more minutes, but I'm gonna close in like four minutes and one second. Just do what is right in front of you. Do what you know to do, and you're gonna know what to do. If you don't know God, that's why I've never done a series on God's will. It's gonna be all 15 seconds. Do what you know to do, and you're gonna know what to do. Erwin McManus, I love this quote, God never clarifies, God clarifies in the midst of obedience, never beforehand. It's what it means to walk by faith. You wanna know what to do? You're grappling with huge questions. You're not sure what the future holds. You have a savior that does. Just do what you know to do and you'll know what to do because God clarifies in the midst of obedience. He never clarifies beforehand. And when you take the step, you're declaring your need for his power. And then lastly, you're, your step tomorrow, your step today, your daily activity, it should come out of your new identity. See, the enemy is constantly gonna get you to connect your failures to your identity and you'll get to this place where there's gonna be a fine line between hating what you do and hating you. And when we declare war, we're declaring this truth. I am not what I do. I'm not my addiction. I'm not my insecurity. I'm not my fear. I'm not my marriage failure. I am who God says I am. And so today, you, you gotta start answering the question, who are you? Who are you? Because it is out of your identity that will come your activity. Some of you, and this goes back to last week, you're living in this reality where, well, I just, I just can't get out of it. This is just what I do. I'm constantly insecure. I've been in this addiction all my life. My dad did this. And you're constantly in this place where you are forming your identity and your activity is coming out of that. And you need to flip the script to recognize that's not your identity. That's not who you are. And what you do is gonna come out of who you are. If you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ, it starts there because God wants to change your identity even before he changes your behavior. And if you are a follower of Jesus, you need to begin to get rooted in what is your identity? Who are you? At, at kind of this global level, what does Jesus say over your life? And literally at a personal level, what do you wanna become? Like one of the things I speak over my life and and I'm not anywhere close to this and nobody would even say most of these things about me. I'm just telling you, I hope I have more breath in my lungs and this is what I'm after. But at the end of my life, I actually think about that. Like, what do I wanna be known for? I wanna be known for somebody who is absolutely obsessed with my wife, obsessively in love with her. Like, that's what I want. I wanna be, and I know it's gonna be imperfect, but I want people to look at me and go, man, he was, he was present with his kids and he led his kids well. And like Paul, he was able to say at an imperfect level, follow me as I follow Jesus. I wanna be known for extreme faith 
and being willing to step out and go, Jesus, I'm in and I'm saying yes to you and I'm giving you a blank check even if I don't know where it's gonna lead me. And, and I wanna be known for somebody who's secure in their identity, that I'm not looking to the right or left, I'm looking at Jesus and going, I'm just gonna be who you've created me to be. And I wanna be somebody who loves radically, not just my wife and my kids, but everybody I come in contact with. And I wanna be somebody who has humility that is seeking to empower and raise up other people around them. And I'm not there, I'm not even close, but I'm telling you, I constantly journal that and remind myself of that because my activity is gonna come out of my identity. And what I am and who I am is gonna direct what I do. And so I just wanna ask you, who are you? Who are you? And what do you wanna become? because that has the power to change the direction of your life. C.S. Lewis says this, very often the only way to get equality in reality is to start behaving as if you had it already. And can I just tell you, Jesus follower, you have it already. You are a lavishly loved son and daughter of the king of the universe. You are accepted, you are worthy. Christ has set you free even if you're not experiencing that freedom. You are a new creation. You have a new DNA because you have a new perfect dad and sin has no power over you. Jesus defeated what wars within you and that you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus and there is no weapon formed against you that can prosper and you need to come around the reality and I need to come around the reality today. I serve a resurrecting, death-defeating, Satan-crushing, ruling and reigning king and I have it already. I am already, I have succeeded already, I am worthy already. It's as if I have finished the race of my life and I'm there already, not because I have, but because Jesus has done it for me. And so I'm standing in the place today to go, I'm already here, I've already arrived, I already have all that I need and I'm gonna begin to live out of that truth and that new identity and I'm gonna allow that to direct every decision and every activity of my life. And you get up and do that, and it'll start to change the trajectory of everything. And so come on, we have enough pain and hurt that is unavoidable. Let's not create more. Let's walk into freedom. Let's take a next step. And it really surrounds these questions right here. And this is what I wanna leave you with. What are you doing now that you know you shouldn't do later? And what are you not doing now that you're promising to do later? And Jesus says these famous lines where he says, listen, you're either gonna build the foundation of your life on a rock that even when all the crap hits the fan, it's gonna stand strong, or you're gonna build your life on the sand. And you know the common theme of everybody who builds their life on the sand? Usually they knew it but they were deceived under this idea of I'm gonna do it later. And usually other people around them knew it, but they, they couldn't stop them. And they all had this one thing in common. Not now, not now, not now. And eventually their life came tumbling down. And so Jesus says to every single one of us, I have declared victory, but you gotta go get it. You gotta go get it. You gotta go get it. And it starts with the small decision that is right 
in front of you. Would you stand with me to your feet all over the house? And I wanna invite you in on radio, podcast, watching and listening right now. I wanna do what we do often, but I'm gonna close with this prayer. And if there's a step today that you need to take, I want you with uplifted hands. I'm not asking anybody to bow their heads. Public declaration, uplifted hand. There's a, there's a step I need to take, a decision I need to take. There's a move I need to make. Jesus, I thank you for your grace. Thank you for what you're doing in this place. I pray for some of us, maybe the first step right now is just to get honest because honesty brings clarity to say, I am, God, I'm struggling. It's hard to say, I'm struggling to trust you. And it's actually that truth that can start to set us free. I pray for others of us right now, Lord, there's just a step right in front of us. We need to, we need to go home and apologize to somebody. We need to write a letter. We need to have a conversation with our kid. We need to open up our Bible tomorrow morning. We need to get into a community group today and we need to stop delaying what you've put right in front of us. Some of us need to take the step to get into counseling. Some of us need to get rooted in a local church and stop living as if they're gonna make this all kind of tie together in a decade. The time to act is now. We need our kids rooted in community. We need worshiping with other brothers and sisters on a weekly basis. We need to do life with other people that can, Lord, be there for us when some things go off the rails. Help us to have the courage to take the step that we need to take today. And so we pray all of this in the incredible, life-giving, freedom-offering name of Jesus. Hey, thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed this message, would you do us a favor and rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher? You can actually now listen to us on Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Basically, this just helps us get the message of Jesus out to more people. And the other thing I would say is, we would love for you to join us at one of our gatherings. One of the things we work really hard at is to create a safe place for people to be able to ask questions, to be able to investigate and grow in their faith if they're longtime followers of Jesus. And one of the things that we say a lot is regardless of what background you're coming from, you can belong here before you believe. And so if you want more information about our church, our location, service times, just go to our website at centerpointfl.org.